and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. Uh, before we get started, I want to give our call-in number. If you're listening and you'd like to call the show, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can reach us at 888-329-3306. That's 888 888- 329-3306. And also be sure to check out the Women to Watch website for all things related to the show, including any of the live shows that you may have missed, you can pick up at our podcast. And you can find us at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. I am absolutely thrilled and, and honored this afternoon to have a guest with us, um, joining us from New York. Uh, she's calling into the show, and her name is Roya Maboub. And Roya is the president and CEO of Digital Citizen Fund. Roya, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I, I'm thrilled to have you, and, and as I said, truly honored um, to to be able to share your story and the work that you've been doing uh, for women and young girls uh, around the world is is incredibly inspiring. So I, I'm so happy to have this opportunity. And uh, the Thank first you. the first thing I would love for you to talk about uh, just for a few minutes is is your background, and uh, just to give the listeners and audience. Um, a little bit of a sense of that. You were born in Afghanistan, but your family left and moved to uh, Pakistan for a short time and then Iran uh, due to the troubles that were were going on in Afghanistan. And um, I wonder if you can talk about those years for me and and what it was like to be living uh, outside of, of your homeland where you were born and uh, the the thing that shaped you most from your mom and dad during those years? Sure. Um, I was grew up in Iran. My family migrated to Iran uh, during the Russian time, and uh, I was grew up there. And, uh, um, of course, it was very difficult to living um, as, a, um, as a refugee and uh, as a child of refugee family. And, um, and I remember the time that... Uh, uh, my family back in during the Taliban, but before the, that they back, we had a better life because my father worked for um, uh, private schools and uh, um, uh, we and he was all the time traveling and he was taking us to different places and we didn't have a, a problem of go to the schools or uh, study uh, or do our education. But mm-hmm. I remember when in I guess it was 1996 we back to Afghanistan again uh, with my family and there was just a few days later Taliban come to our city and things for us changed and then after six months again we back to um, Iran but um, but it wasn't warm welcome like past because this time uh, we were not um, we didn't have our legal documentation so for a while we were 
we were illegal document. I mean, we were living there, but we didn't have any documentation. And then we could get uh, documents, but uh, still, it was very challenging to get to the schools. And um, uh, and every year, my father had to talk with them and take us to the private schools, and they had to work harder to to pay for our institution fee because the public schools was very difficult to get in. Yeah. And um, uh, that was. Uh, uh, the time that I was in Iran, and then in 2003. Yeah. yeah so um, your dad was was a um, quite an advocate for you. And did you have siblings, Warya? Yes, I am one of seven children. Okay. I have uh, two more sister, and I have four brother. Yeah. And it seems as though um, he treated both you, your sisters, and your brothers equally when it came to um, encouraging education. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. My my father um, had the opportunity to go to Germany uh, for his his education, but also he was open mind. And what he saw in his sister relationship when his sister couldn't do her uh, their education and they they married and they didn't have a very successful life. So my father was always wants that people from very early age always always told us that we have to be independent and. Uh, not rely on our husband in the future or not rely on anybody. So now, that was uh, one of the reasons he was very supportive of uh, our education. Was that unusual for uh, a father and a man um, in the community you lived to be encouraging yeah. that? Yeah. Yes, I mean, you you can see that there are a few men. Right now there are more men, but in, uh, in that time there were uh, very uh, – small number of people, especially men, that they support the girls' education. And what age were, what age were you living in Iran? How, many, how old were you from when to when before you moved back to Afghanistan? I mean, we. I remember that I passed in, when I was like six, seven years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, in nine, then um, then we, we were living in, under the Taliban for six months. Then we left it. And then in 2013, when I become was like between 15 to 18 this between 15 to 16 i back to afghanistan i was at the at the age uh, 2003 be back to afghanistan okay i i love the story of of how you described um why and and how you first became interested in in computer science and uh, apparently you had heard stories while living in iran about this incredible um, device, this this box, as you as you described it, that was almost like a dream, where people could talk to each other, and you could find books on there, and any kind of information you wanted. Um, I love how you describe that. And where where were you hearing these stories? Who was talking about what we now know is a computer? But who who and was talking about these stories about this device that was so uh, magical? Well, at that time, I think that uh, there was, when we were in, in Taliban during the time, I hear that there is a box that we can talk, but it was just, um, we didn't know that it's a computer, because there was, at the time, there was no any computer. But when I back to Iran, I read about that, and uh, um, but unfortunately, because I was asking, I wasn't allowed to go to, uh, to computer classes. And I always thought that since there was a box that like, Right, there was big computer at that time, old computer, and there was only for even for privileged K 
kids that they had money they could go to learn about computers. Mm. It was just stuck in my mind. And yeah. uh, when I back to Afghanistan, and um, I hear that uh, a friend of mine came and told me that, uh, Roya, would you like to go to, there is an ancient cafe that just opened and, uh, in Herat. Would you like to go to, to try a new, uh, there was a Yahoo Messenger at that time. And he said that if you, she said that if she, if I'm interested to go, and of course I was very interested and I was a very curious girl at the time, and we went to that internet cafe, uh, internet cafe, internet cafe, and it was the only place that the men could go, and it was just opening, and many of men also didn't know how to work with that, and um, we said, we told them that we wanted to work with a computer, and uh, they got very surprised because it was. So new, and they, um, um, and also, I mean, that's how the Afghan girls knows how to work with a computer. But anyway, I mean, uh, at the beginning they were, they didn't want to be work, but in, um, but I started to work with a computer or for the first time using the internet. I realized that there are more than all than what was around of me, and from that moment, I remember that everything's changed for me, mm. and. Uh, and I feel like that because, you know, growing up in Afghanistan was so different than growing up in Silicon Valley or any other countries. Our, um, not only our access technology is limited, but our entire life were wounded up in small communities, families where we live. And we didn't have, like, luxury um, thought that we can change our life in the way that it was already told us that's how, how we have to live. And... Um, yeah, I think that was for me to living in Afghanistan at that time that we didn't have access to a lot of the books, we didn't have access to to talk with the people, we didn't know what's going on in the world, and the only um, hope was the TV that we could see the news that my family, my brothers, my father chose for me. Mm. And we live, but we're living in beautiful jail, that's what I, I call it, that we could go to the school, we could come back, but there was no any access to any information. Yeah. And that... Uh, a small magic box gave me access to the world that I have never saw it and I never like didn't have opportunity to be connected with that. Yeah. And I remember there was only one library um, uh, in Herat that we could go get uh, lent the books, but uh, there was like very old books. We didn't have like a very like um, updated books or information. Mm. And we always had challenging. We had to order books that someone go to Iran and bring for us that books, but there were, there were no other ways that we have access to information. And uh, that's the small box here that I'm talking. If you could talk with people, whether they, they care that who you are or you're a girl, and uh, you communicate with people, you learn about different culture, and you could type anything in the Google and everything's come up for you. Yeah, and yeah. it wasn't only one reality. It was so many realities that you could find. And... Um, yeah, I mean, that was um, the story of how I was connected with a computer at the age of 16. Yeah, so you were 16. Did you have any fear of going into that cafe, which was, you know, mostly men? And, uh, you know, were you afraid that you, you shouldn't be doing that? You shouldn't be getting access to the computer? I mean, um, yes. I mean, it, of course, when I was there, they when my friend and I were there, they, the, the man in the cafe at that day, they didn't allow us to use the computer. And... It was a bad thing that the girls say that we wanted to learn. They get surprised that we 
wanted to work with a computer because I think we were the only two girls who wants to just try it, and they never saw that the girls have this courage to learn about computers. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, um, but of course, I mean, uh, for me, this was, I was so fascinated with this technology. I wasn't care about what people say. I really mm. wanted to... <laughs> Yeah. To work with a computer. Yeah, that, you yeah. know what that says so much about you. Would you say that you had more curiosity to be connected um, to things around the world than your sisters? Yes, I was a very curious person, and I always wanted to know what's going on, and and I wanted to explore the world that was bigger than myself, my family. But mm-hmm. um, even I was very, I was very curious, but I was a very shy girl as well. So. I have to say that, but um, I think my curiosity was the reason that I wanted to use and I every, like for the first time when I used it, I said this is what I needed because it was just uh, for a person like me, was great tools to find any information, communicate with people, like connect with other world, with other countries in the world and uh, uh, and find new realities, you know. I, for many of the women and girls who are living in conservative societies, um, our families, our community, the society already predefined only one uh, reality for us. Mm. And uh, for many of these girls, that they they have to they have to marry with a man that's choosing by their families, and then they have to stay at home. For that, many of them, they have to get uh, have a babies. And that was the reason that they are totally disconnected with the world. They don't know what's truly possible for them. And for me, technology was a dream and was, was um, give me new realities, give me uh, to make my dreams uh, further. I mean, make my dreams to reality. So that's uh, what I love about technology. And I, when I was attached to my computer and started working with computer and internet, Everything is for me changed, mm. and uh, I remember that I said that not not only my eyes opened to the entire new world, but I would say I have to uh, make it in mind technology be my career to break the mold and create a different pathway for myself. Yeah, well, so now as as more and more women are exposed to technology, and and we you know certainly. Um, where you are from, that they the numbers are still extremely low. But do, are you hopeful? Do you see a change in the cultural views around education and women? Yes, I I totally believe that technology can bring the social change and in, uh, in the society, especially in conservative society. I remember the time that I was 16 years old. I my time I was probably one of the few girls who learned about computer in 2003. Uh, in Herat, but today we have girls who are like working in robots and they came in to participate in international uh, competition. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that how much the difference between right. all the spheres. And uh, there, are, I mean, still there is a very low level of the uh, like uh, women who participate in technology, but uh, in compare with 10 years ago or 15 years ago. I think a lot of the development has happened uh, for for bringing women in tech or giving them access to technology or uh, um, like technology devices. And many of the women right now have access to phone, but not a smartphone, but at least a simple phone to communicate through that. And many of the women, especially like right now, many of them even they can read and write, but 
they know about WhatsApp, they know about Skype because if their family members is outside of Afghanistan, they wanted to be connected with them through their like WhatsApp, uh, Uber, uh, Viber, um, and and then, then Skype calls. So like, it, it's interesting that even some of the families, I mean, some of the women, they don't know, but they hear about these devices. They ask from their children or their brothers to help them with the uh, with connectivity, and. Um, and there, of course, there are also the number of the women in a computer science faculty increase a lot, and we have at least more than 35% of the female in computers. Uh, computer science are female, and then the number of faculty of the computer science also is increased in private and public schools, um, uh, public universities. So I think all of these things uh, is um, uh, are helping that we can bring more women. In tech and technology or STEAM uh, program. Roya, tell me when your interest went uh, or changed from being personally um, uh, curious and interested in technology. You earned a bachelor's degree in computer science um, from Herat University. And when did it change from educating yourself about technology and deciding to really take on? Building digital literacy for women and children as a cause, as a personal cause for you. Well, I mean, uh, it was the time that I, I had a lot of challenges when I I started my company in 2010, and uh, I was one of the first female CEOs in Afghanistan, and I got a lot of challenges and the barriers in my uh, in, in my work, but technology it helped me to overcome all those uh, challenges. And uh, that was, there was a time that I felt that, okay, I realized the career that I was bringing the skills, but I know that there are many of the girls who are out there just like me, they are curious, but giving another reason to explore the world. They wanted to know more, but they don't know what's truly possible. And that was the reason that we started to building the, um, uh, the shows and plant, uh, to giving access to women to have access to technology, and have access to um, uh, education and f- get a skill that they can find later for themselves a job or become a uh, financial independent. Yes. Now, I would t- you know, uh, just so the listeners understand, when you started to speak out and to um, form these companies um, that were going to benefit women and children in technology, you received a lot of pushback and and. Um, you know, there were people who didn't agree with you in the work that you were doing. Tell me, talk about the, the fear that you had and, um, you know, some of the uh, some of the pushback that was not only against you but your family as well. Well, being as a tech female, tech female CEO anywhere in the world will introduce you some obstacle and challenges. But uh, in Afghanistan, the place that the women are not supposed to work outside, the attack against me personally and professionally was devastating because um, it wasn't only that you can bring the have access to finance or um, get a, uh, get a finding a labor a labor that you have an excuse or a lot of other challenges that many of other women have it in uh, in a tech but it also was about the, the conservative uh, local Taliban and even the 
the mafia of IT industry. I call them mafia of IT industry, but the people who were in the IT industries and they they were like um, leader of that industry. They didn't want me, and um, for many of the cases, uh, my clients often uh, refused to paying us for the jobs that we did for them just because we were simply women. Mm. And my employee and I were threatened again because we were, again we were simply women that they dared to do uh, to what they couldn't do to other men. Sometimes I feel that it was like too much, but um, but what I could do, they were follow us and spied us. Uh, they put them aside and they threatened this and they, they threatened to my employees and I to to discouraging us and. Um, and I mean, there was I mean so many challenges that we faced, and uh, enemies. Uh, my enemies not only forced me to be out of secondary, also they forced many of my women. That they uh, they were top women just working uh, managing my projects, and uh, I think that um, the the reason that they all did that it was that they didn't want uh, they want many of these men also. Uh, accuse me for being a spy, not look, behaving as a normal Muslim woman, and bringing Western uh, culture to Afghanistan. And sometimes one of those rumors was enough to damage your reputation in a way that you cannot survive in the country. And many of them, they were enough smart to use that. And uh, again, it's of uh, my employees or me. And um, But that's, I think that was more the reason that they do is because they wanted to keep their power. And deny the rights and freedom for the woman. Yeah, and they wanted, they didn't want to have a changes in their society. So, so you were actually, uh, you were worried for your safety at times. Yes, there was a, there was a, many of the times that it started to feeling that I am uh, unsafe. So, I was when I started my company it was 2010, but then I left at Harad in 2011. And um, and then I started to become a digital entrepreneur. There was many times that we started to work with clients, and they they as I mentioned, they didn't want to pay us or they created challenges for us. And our names came out because we we did some of couple of the projects for for US military in NATO, and also my company was part of the one of seven country companies in right incubators. So all of these challenges is uh, made us to think that we have to not be rely on the government, not rely on the on conservative societies, and uh, we have to finding um, getting advantage of social media and uh, free market. So I decided to become a digital entrepreneur and uh, lower our physical address, but um, uh, extended our princess online. And that's why I was uh, saw that some a friend of mine uh, sent me an invitation to join to LinkedIn, and it was totally changed everything for me. And I was joining, and I found a lot of clients through the LinkedIn, and I was uh, approached them, and that was also lead me to find investor online. It was Italian American. My first investor for my company, it was Italian American who lives in New York, and uh, he decided to invest in our company and. Uh, uh, actually, we connect through the LinkedIn, and then he uh, we discuss. And after a uh, few weeks, he uh, started with small projects as a client base. And then later on, he invested in our um, my first uh, platform called Womanex, uh, that allows women to write blogs and 
uh, and film and be paid some uh, for the those who contributed the high quality content uh, we paid them so that was the first project that I find but all of this has made me to use the technology technology helped me all in many of the uh, to overcome of many of my challenges why do you think that um, gentleman uh, believed in you and was willing to invest in you well, I think that uh, when the start, he started to uh, first giving us small projects, and we were successfully done this project for him, and he was interested. And then he, we discussed about different projects and giving some of the ideas. And he has a platform of film distribution at the time. And I wanted to build a woman channel for women that they can uh, have a, like an online TV. And then that was discussion came up to the woman in X, and he liked the idea, and he decided to invest in our platform. Yeah. And he was also, I think that he is one of those who, a person who really um, care about the women rights, and he's a very uh, supportive of not only the work that I did, and also he helped a lot of women, other women. So. Um, uh, Francesco, his name is Francesco, uh, Francesco Rulli, and um, he was uh, my first investor, and he was a very um, nice person to yeah. work with. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, that, that, that your first investor um, would be a, a man who advocates uh, for women, I think, is, you know, that was um, a very positive thing that happened for you and allowed you to, you know, continue your entrepreneurial pursuits. Um, if you're just tuning in, I am uh, joined this afternoon by Roya Maboub, who is the president and CEO of Digital Citizen Fund. And Roya, in um, 2013, you were named to Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. And uh, it was based on your work in building Internet classrooms in high schools in Afghanistan. My, my first question around that for you is how did you get the funding? Well, as I mentioned, um, I had my company start to working on the platform um, uh, called Moonenex, and uh, we make money with advertising ad networks at that time. And we uh, investing all of the money that we make money, uh, our profits, to building those IT centers. And uh, we're building certain technology centers, uh, 11 of them located in other schools, and our aim was that we have to build in 14 schools, uh, building 14 IT centers uh, across Afghanistan. And in our network at the moment, we have 55,000 of the indirect beneficiary of the students that 10,000 of them um, get trained um, directly. I, yeah, I, I understand that that particular um, recognition and and the article was written by Sheryl Sandberg for you. Um, and did yes. you did you know that at the time? Oh, well, I mean, uh, my bio when it's uh, come up, uh, uh, everyone told me, do you know who wrote your bio? And I said, no. And then they told me, do you know it's Sheryl Sullenberg? And she's one of the most uh, powerful women in the tech uh, industry in the U- United States. And I was just started to read about her. And, uh, and then at the same time, I got uh, received an email from Cheryl, and that's how I met with her. Oh. And, yeah, yeah that must have been so, yeah, incredibly exciting. Yes, it was. I was so excited, and uh, um, she's great. I mean, she became my role model that I would love to be, um, to be like her one day. 
and uh, I can read her books. He give me, she gave me her books, uh, Linin, and yes. I read it, and I'm very um, um, loved the way that she explained and many of the challenges that I feel that I have it as a CEO, and many of the times I feel that I was, uh, um, uh, I feel that there are some of the parts which is just uh, like talking about uh, the way that I didn't have the confidence, and I, uh, I didn't want to ask and challenges that the women have, and she encouraging us to to ask for asking, and then uh, I I think that I really loved uh, um, her advice in the book. Yeah, you know when when we look at someone like you, who has accomplished what you've accomplished, it would not occur to most people that you lack confidence. You know, um, we, we spoke before the show and you described yourself as shy when you were younger. And that was that was quite surprising to me. Can you talk about what other, you know, other than meeting uh, someone like Sheryl Sandberg and reading her book, has it been your accomplishments that has helped boost your confidence? Um, or have you yeah. worked on it? Tell me, tell me how that, you know, has improved for you. I mean, I was very shy when I was younger. I mean, I was one of seven children, and I had uh, four brothers. And usually, um, you know, at that time, my brother were conservative as well. And um, we didn't, I didn't have an access to any information, but I was very hated that to be to talk in front of a group of people. I was very good in one-to-one, but I didn't like to talk in front of the group. And uh, when I remember for the first time I was in a, in a school and uh, when my teacher, he was, he, my teacher was a man and he asked me to write something on a, uh, on a whiteboard and I was like shaking my hands because to, even I was very good in the, in the, in the numbers but I didn't want to, to stand in front of hundreds of students. And um, but how it was changed for me, it was changed since I became to be an technologist and be connect with the social media. It changed all of my life. I started to chatting with people and share the information, and that's what actually started to empowering myself because I I started to talk and share my ideas, and I had people who liked my idea or they talked with me, and they care or respect it, and. Um, and, and I also had an access to the information. And it's made me to talk at the home. And, mm. of course, at the beginning, I was ignored all the time. And my father also <laughs> liked me, but, I mean, <laughs> but, you know, when you talk, I was always was to take uh, my brother's attention, and they they ignored me, and they <laughs> um, they never wants to listen. And, like, like really, you talk about this. And I, was, I wanted to be, when they talk about politics, I wanted to, to be involved and to talk about any like invention or science, and I was always wanted to be involved in this discussion. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I feel that that I started from the home, and then I started talking also in the schools, and then I was, um, but still I had that shy again to talk in front of the group. But it was like improve a lot uh, in the meetings and uh, the other things. But I think the other things that helped me was the speeches in front of the group. Um, uh, because I was practicing a lot, and then uh, I think that if we have information in advance and practicing it, now I got much better, and I overcome. Sometimes I will be 
overconfidence, but yeah. <laughs> well, and it's probably continuing to improve today, right? As you get more and more recognition, and you come on shows like this, and um, you know, there's there's articles published about you. My guess is that you continue to, um, you know, your confidence continues to rise with each experience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, listen, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have a caller. Teresa is on the line, and she has a question for you. We'll be right back. This is Kristen Hilsley, financial advisor of the Foley Hilsley Group, with a big announcement. Last fall, I hosted a women's lifestyle conference to help the women who do it all take control of their finances. Now I'm excited to an- announce a new partnership with Women to Watch Media to help show women how to own their financial future. We'll have newsletter articles, blog posts, announcements of live events, and a lot more, all available at womentowatch.net and our own website, foleyhillsleygroup.com. I'm thrilled about this new partnership, and I look forward to being your resource for all things financial. Stay tuned to learn more or visit our website at FoleyHillsleyGroup.com. The Foley Hillsley Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird and Company, member SIPC. Log on to FoleyHillsleyGroup.com to learn more. That's F-O-L-E-Y-H-I-L-L-S-L-E-Y Group.com. Or call 610-238-6636. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. I'm joined this afternoon by Roya Maboub, who is the president and CEO of Digital Citizen Fund. And we actually have a caller on the line, Roya, who has a question for you. Teresa, welcome to the show. Hi, Sue. Hi, Roya. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Really enjoyed listening to the program and how um, uh, culturally interesting your guest is today, Sue. So um, fantastic! We're, we're wanted, yeah. Go ahead. You have a question? Oh yeah, I wanted yeah. to first say first off, Roy, I, I really admire you and I, I find your story fascinating. I watched uh, YouTube this morning about you, and um, I find it really interesting that you had the the curiosity and the courage to circumvent the prejudice against women in your country and use the Internet as your way to, um, to help others. And uh, it's really admirable. And, you know, with that being said, I just think about from a Western point of view um, how we women in the United States uh, obtained our personal freedoms via the 19th Amendment and our voting rights. Uh, So my question to you is, 
because government and religious beliefs are so interwoven in your culture, how can you envision your government recognizing women and allowing them someday voting rights or rights other than the one-dimensional societal values that they that women have right now with this um you know you have defined women as having uh you know staying at home expecting to have children and not really being able to speak out in society so i'm just curious to what you think about how uh government and religion being so so intertwined culturally in afghanistan how things could possibly change in the future well, thank you, Teresa, for um, your question. And I think that uh, my government is uh, right now, they're trying very hard to, not very hard, but they are at least trying to uh, support women rights and women education. And if we compare with like 10, 15 years ago, there was no woman who could go to the school. But today we have more than 30% of 35% of the women in the schools and in university that are female. We have uh, the uh, uh, African President Ghani, he uh, really supports women. He brought for women as minister. He, uh, we have more than 35% in Parliament are representative are the female. But all of these uh, things happening in Afghanistan, I think if we have bring more women as decision maker, it would be help more to empowering the women uh, in our country. But the problem that exists in Afghanistan is not the government or law. It's that uh, the it's a culture. The culture is very, uh, culturally, people get very uh, conservative during this four decades of the war. It wasn't a part of the culture of Afghanistan, like if you back in 1920, 1970, or 1980. Uh, but unfortunately, after the war of the Mujahideen, and then Taliban become in power, uh, Afghanistan back, I don't know, to century that it wasn't even existing in the story. And uh, people get very conservative. Um, there are a couple of issues. There's cultural barriers, and then it's about security. And then there is no a law that there is a law, but there is no any police to really implement that law. So um, I think that uh, it's this question back to the parliament uh, that there is a law uh, to stop violence against such a woman that. Uh, they, part of that, it was approved, but still for many other parts, uh, Parliament haven't passed it. And if they pass it, maybe uh, they force the police and the courts and the judge that they have to take uh, the violence against the women to be taken serious or the helping women empowerment. But I think that um, technology is the best tool, and so ICT is a great tool to educate women. And education, I think, is a key to unlocking global citizenship uh, for women and girls all around the world. And then, and oh. what my reason is, yeah. Oh yeah, I I think the education is is paramount to uh, to exposure, and also uh, the fact that you said that your father had traveled to Germany, and had seen the opportunities um, in Europe for women, and then he went back to the to your country, you said, and and. Uh, thought to himself, well, my daughters might be raised differently. So the exposure that you had when you traveled to Iran and to, uh, you had said, um, your other travel experiences, um, do you find that that made you curious as well? Yes, that was also another reason that we, um, I mean, we could get this education and we, we had the support of the family members. But still, I mean, 
there are many of the families in Afghanistan in bigger city they start to change their view toward of the women mm. and mm. Um, the other thing is as interesting is financial independence that makes women to be more uh, have the rights and especially in through our programs when some of our female students come to our program they get educated but then when they start to make money uh, we could see that things changed I think that uh, the money is a power tool and uh, that's how to conservate financial independence for women is a tool that how conservative uh, society can see a woman or uh, treat a woman. They can change your mind. Yeah. And it's a lot of community. Roya, I have. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The, uh, Teresa, yeah, Ro- those great Roya, questions. I had, I had this, um, Sue, I had, I had one more question just from um, Roya. Just a quick answer from her it would be great. Yeah. Um, how does Roya? How do you feel the American media uh, depicts Afghanistan on our just television platforms? I mean, I, to me, it seems like there's very little little uh, reported, and if it is reported, it seems like it instills a lot of fear in people. Um, does that frustrate you to see our coverage, our media coverage of your country? Yeah, that's uh, unfortunately that what we see that the media only showed the, the part of war, the part of violence, the part of the um, the poverty, but they don't show that a lot of things have also changed. There are lots of uh, good things that happen in Afghanistan in terms of education, in terms of the access to the um, health uh, for the women, and we have a lot of the women who are right now working in the very high-profile decision position, decision-making positions, and. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we can see less media showing the positive uh, side of Afghanistan. Oh, well, I'm very optimistic just hearing you speak. I, I'm thrilled, and I'll be watching you and following you. Thanks so much for taking my call, and I really enjoyed your show, Sue. Thank you, Teresa. We appreciate your, you. your calling in, and uh, we hope to hear from you again soon. Okay, Th- thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Roya, yeah, that, I loved uh, Teresa's last question because I don't know if she's aware that you're actually living here in the United States now. You don't um, work from Afghanistan, and I wondered how you're able to, obviously through technology, but what are some of the ways that you manage your business and the work that you're doing in Afghanistan from New York? Well, again, technologies make everything easier. And when I went, uh, when when I was in Afghanistan, I was trying to control my stuff and everything through Skype, email, and call because yeah. I many of the times I couldn't go in person in a, in my office in Herat. And um, I think that um, uh, right now I am going back and forth between Afghanistan and Kabul, uh, New York. Mm-hmm. But every time I go, it's very low profile. I keep it very low profile to just because of security reasons. Yes. Um, uh, and then Skype and uh, WhatsApp. Uh, and uh, usually I am mostly midnight person because it will be morning there. And I have to talk with the with the staffs and uh, I have to also do early morning uh, sometimes to follow up with them. Wow. And I yeah. my my staff is good because they are working. Many of my staff in my foundation at the moment they are they were used to work with me. Uh, when I was when I had my company, uh, when I was running my company, and uh, they 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 get trained and they they know they, and they do a very good job. So. Yeah. <laughs> so when do you sleep <laughs> if you're working at uh, midnight? <laughs> well, 
then I do it in my night. Then in the morning, I would I want uh, woke up early. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, Roya, you've been described truly as a serial entrepreneur, and I wonder if you could talk um, about any projects that you're currently working on. Uh, sure. I mean, uh, right now we're working on um, a um, couple of projects. One of the projects is a new initiative. Uh, um, I'm an entrepreneur running the foundation voluntary, but I think that uh, raising the fund for a nonprofit is very difficult. And uh, we thought that we have to make it uh, sustainable. So that's why we started a new initiative as in a coffee and tea business that um, we bring uh, buying the spice from our students in Afghanistan. We bring it here. And you make it very delicious formula that um, we uh, making your coffee ground for high-end consumer. It's uh, it's very healthy. It's help for depression. It's bring the smile on the face, and it's, uh, it's good for heart and avoid of concern. And um, uh, this coffee, uh, the 100% of the profits goes. Uh, will go back to the foundation, and it's help us that we can continue our providing access to education and technology, and also giving microfinancing uh, for women who start their startups. The second project that um, this project will uh, launch end of the, this month, a soft launch, and then uh, we have another project that we're working with blockchain technology. And um, uh, my sister and I were the, uh, the first females that we starting the, to bring the bitcoins in 2013 in Afghanistan. And uh, now we are working on uh, building a, a new decentralized um, online marketplace for women that they can using uh, uh, cryptocurrency coins for exchanging of buying the goods and selling the goods and. Uh, um, because uh, we help 100 women uh, every year. That this year itself, we helping 100 women to start their own startups. We help them with uh, business plan, marketing plan, and teaching them how to use technology and business skills to bring their product to to the market. And we have very good students that they're doing very well. And uh, we hope that with this um, uh, platform, we help them to sell their products not only in Herat but other provinces and as well outside of Afghanistan. And um, um, our projects, uh, we also have a project in um, uh, in Mexico, and we are going to start a, uh, start a new initiative uh, in, uh, in Brazil as well. So that's a lot of the projects that I am currently working and very involved with them. Do you have a, a, a marketing team um, that works with the foundation that will be working um, to help with all of these um, offshoots and entrepreneurial ventures. Well, in Afghanistan, we have uh, we have 14 people who are working, but because our budget is, we have very limited uh, budget. Uh, um, you know, we can't hire uh, any marketing group in US. All uh, like we have five board members, we have advisory board, and we have uh, interns that are working with us, but. We are hoping to increase the number of interns that they can help us, but all of us working voluntary. So um, we're looking for um, to get more uh, involved with people who would be interested to working uh, voluntary or as an intern or as a project base uh, with our projects for future that we can marketing uh, all these businesses. Okay. Yeah, because it, you know how important it is to bring visibility to these small businesses. Um, you know, once you you know. Uh, build the business and and cover the technology aspect of everything. It's so important uh, that people know about it, 
And, uh, you know, I know early on when the, you know, your funds are low, it's difficult. Yes, and but we are like we have a team in Afghanistan that they do started to make a documentary about the students and uh, every of these projects, if the family allow, uh, because we have still challenges with the family uh, permission. Uh, with the family permission, we started to make uh, making documentary from each student, and with this blockchain uh, technology, we will again showcase all your projects and helping them to write about them, to, to do a film about them, and also help them to sell in their product. Yeah. So these are the things that we are currently doing it, but uh, we don't have like a larger budget to do like a big marketing about mm -hmm. uh, about about these uh, students okay. and their projects. Yeah. Let, let's talk for a few minutes about uh, the Global Thinkers Forum. Uh, you and I both happen to be members of this wonderful organization that's working on initiatives around um, women's empowerment, youth development, and leadership. What kinds of things are you doing uh, with the Global Thinkers Forum? Well, I am uh, working, and I am an advisory board, and uh, I talk sometimes with Elizabeth about the different ways of that, how they do fundraising, and they're working in different projects. But also, I am a mentor of one of your students and uh, helping um, helping her. Yes, they launched the Athena Mentorship Program this year. Uh, I think it, it, yes. it, yeah, it's a wonderful program. I think it's so important in all the things that we talk about on this show that we're reaching the youngest generation of girls and women so that when they get, you know, older or to places where perhaps uh, we are in, in looking to help women in business and, and in technology, that they already have that confidence um, in, in speaking out. Yes, I think that this is very important. Um, also, I think it's not only that they learn getting advice for, for their future, getting their confidence and helping them with their career, but it's also it's both ways. We also learn many of the things uh, from our uh, people that we are teaching them. And um, um, yeah, I think that this is a great opportunity and I'm very uh, honored to be involved uh, with this program. And um, uh, I'm looking forward for the, the future uh, people, that they, the young generation that uh, Global Things Forum will introduce to me. Roya, what would you say is the most difficult part of the work that you're doing? What is, what is the greatest challenge for you? Well, I mean, um, for working in a very male-dominated industry in Afghanistan or even outside, uh, there are lots of the, the um, um, challenges that exist is one with that access to finance is uh, right now is one of the biggest challenges that I have and then um, it's um, uh, working uh, when they you do all of the things and they you, you ignore in all of uh, your accomplishment is another challenge that we, we have it and uh, um, I think that is also again uh, it's back to the fear the time that when I started was Mostly, I uh, I was fear. Uh, my fear was that what the people talk about me, and um, why when someone makes rumors, and I was afraid that if people believe that, what's going to happen, how I can survive, how I can um, keep continue to work. But I think that today I'm not that worried like in the past, and then um, I um, overcome off my fear and. Uh, and uh, I increase my confidence, and uh, I think that it's, uh, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's it, I think. 
Yeah, well, I think that's, again, so incredibly brave on your part to not only be speaking out, but to do so when you know that there's a large percentage of people from your own country that are opposed to the work that you're doing. Um, so I just, I mean, I commend you for continuing uh, and being so determined when you have a group, right, that, that is against your work. Thank you. I mean, um, I think that one of it's kind of for me challenging that it's kind of a challenge uh, way for me when people tell me that you can't do it and you shouldn't do that. Um, uh, and I think that this is a great thing that I do, but people want to disagree. I feel that they wanted to hide some things or they want to try to stop a change is coming. And uh, that's why I wanted to do it. And uh, the time I was left Afghanistan, I was one of the tech female CEOs. It was uh, obvious that um, I got a lot of the enemies. But what about hundreds of people who do the same things, thousands of the women who do the same things, hundreds of thousands of them doing the same thing? Mm. Who knows what uh, potential can be inside of each of these women? The answer to poverty, violence, and slavery could be in the heart of any woman and girl who, have, uh, who has no way of realizing the power of their dreams. Mm. And uh, the goal of uh, Digital Semvant is that we, we can help uh, unlock up this potential for every woman through education and global citizenship. And um, I think that this is not only uh, my responsibility, I think it's a responsibility of everyone to, um, to uh, work for the peace and sustainable lifestyle for all the women. And uh, I think it's possible for all the people, regardless of their background, uh, to realize their dream and goals, and this only can be happen through the power of technology and education. And can you describe for us, Roya, why you believe it's so important to be able to provide education and access to technology for women and girls? In other words, what what do you see as the greatest impact um, if we are able to um, to help in this way? Well, I think that uh, technology and Internet uh, personally um, helped me to overcome on lots of the cultural barriers and show me a new pathway. And I become as a, a digital citizen. I could connect it with the world and, uh, and to not limit the border of uh, domestic life or conservative societies. And I think for the women in conservative area, technology is great tools that they, they can connect with the world, they find new realities, they become a digital citizen, they have a voice. There is, when you are connected with the world, there is no any this um, uh, isn't that wh- who you are, what's your gender, what's your color, and you can find any information you want. You can train yourself, you can educate yourself, you can do business through e-commerce, and um, and if you have access to your cell phone, you you connect to the world, you do business, you become as a, a financial independent. That this is very very important. Yes, and. Um, and I think that for everything, again, I say that education is key to unlocking global citizenship for all these women. And um, our aim is that we can see that the life is changed by one by one, by one and through the power of technology and education. And the extended worldview and the knowledge can provide its answer to many of the world's problems of today. And, um, yeah, and I think that... Um, uh, we all should need it to, to working uh, for these women. Uh, there are millions of the girls who are out, and they 
they are um, as uh, as I mean uh, technology and worldwide going move forward without them and it's very necessary that we put tools and internet connection to these places this might seem a big problem um, and many of people would fight against of the dream to empowering women across the world and uh, what solution I think starts Small. It's just start right here and every day. That's right. We start with one girl, yes. with one woman, one dream, one computer, one step at a time. We can change the world together. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, we're actually uh, towards the end of the show, and if you want to just leave a, a very short piece of advice for it, we have quite a um, large community of women who listen to this show from the Middle East, and if there's somebody listening that, that wants to be involved but perhaps is still afraid, what would you say to her? I think that I would say that do whatever you feel uh, you like it, and um, passion and loving the work is very important. And then uh, you needed to put a lot of hard work to make your dream a reality, and it's you to make your dream reality, not others. And um, uh, and especially for the tech people, I would say that the best way is to learn the tech is to jump in and just do it. And um, yeah. Well, that's it's great advice, and and I think it always comes back to you know listening to that inner voice, um, not listening to others who who want to determine what you should be doing and how you should be living your life, uh, and you're a great example of that. I, I wish you such continued success, where and I hope, of course, to meet you soon in New York. I hope we have that opportunity. Sure, I look forward to seeing you. In person. Okay. And it, do you want to give out contact information if someone wants to be in touch to help with the fund? Sure. Uh, digital System Fund is at www.digitalsystemfund.org. They can come uh, to our website. And uh, and if they wanted to contact with me, I, uh, my email address is my Twitter account. My Twitter account is Roya Mahbub. And uh, I, will, I look forward to talk with them and and um, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to be in this call. You're very welcome, Roya. Thank you so much. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Be sure to check out our website at womentowatch.net and have a great week. Thank you.